Mann. minute of that. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Welcome in to Careless Whispers here on CLNS Radio. My name is Matt Rury, Calvin Chamberlain, your honorary Irishman for the day. Hello, sir. Yeah, I think I'm like 7% Irish, so it actually works. I'm like, I'm like a reverse Indian. I'm like the reverse white guy who's like, claims to be Indian. <laughs> Speaking of... Yeah, I've got I've got a three percent Native American uh, in me. You? Yes. Do you have three percent Native American? I don't know. I, my father used to say that uh, somewhere along the line, someone in our family married a Native American woman. So yes, somewhere I don't know. Well, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, StubHub is apparently trying to get me to buy some tickets, either to the uh, the Clippers playing the Hornets at Staples Center, or flogging Molly at the Hollywood Palladium. Which one? Those are the options. options. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would probably go see Flogging Molly. Wouldn't that be the the better option? Probably. Doesn't probably Clover's, Clover's Hornet sounds pretty pretty boring, and something that doesn't matter. Maybe that sounds like a, a rest game for the Clippers right there. Clippers Hornets. Um, I was about to tell people they could call us, but they can't because this is a podcast version, baby. It's alive, not live. Skype us. It's uh, Team Green Truth. Does that work? That's right. Well, I mean, you'll have to you'll have to hit me up on Twitter or something at some point at Team Team Green Truth. Team Green Truth. Uh, CLNS Radio is also on Twitter at CLNS Radio, and of course on Facebook. So go to clnsradio.com/slash/facebook to hit up the Facebook page if you're on the Facebooks. Uh, this show, of course, is brought to you by Lynda.com. It's L-Y-N-D-A.com. Lynda is uh, a wonderful sponsor of CLNS Radio. And one of our other partners, Peak Brewing, a great organic beer company. Check them both out. I'll tell you a little more about them later in the show. I want to shout them out first. Facebook.com slash Peak Brewing for Peak. And like I said, Linda.com slash CLNS to get the uh, 10-day trial that I'll tell you a little bit about later on. Um, We lead off tonight's show with a topic that kind of got me fired up this afternoon a little bit. Uh, Yes, that's right. I got fired up, believe it or not. And it's something that I was talking about on Monday night after 
<coughs> excuse me, having a few pops. Yes, pops on a Monday. Because I, f- I thought that this was the only way to properly view the Celtics and 76ers last night, Calvin, uh, was to, to get thoroughly inebriated. I took the train, folks, don't worry, and go to the game with a friend of mine that uh, I haven't seen in a long time. So we got some pizza and beers before the, before the game, went in there drunk, and I started talking to him about this. Are you gone? And okay. am I? Am I? No. And I, I, uh, so I started talking to him about this. And I actually thought that I made a lot of sense. And then this afternoon, I turn on the radio, and it, the, one of the, the hosts is uh, is talking, the, is arguing the exact opposite of what I said, even more vehemently than than I was on Monday night. So I started thinking this guy is a complete moron. Now the discussion we're about to have is a Celtics topic. It's going to get tied in that, that way. It's an NBA topic in general. I've done a little bit of research to back myself up, so get ready for the guns to to be fired. Here they come. Calvin, I will start this by asking you, how much do you value coaching in the NBA as far as uh, needing a good coach to guide your team to a championship caliber uh, or to a championship level competing-wise, or versus, uh, say, having just a really solid roster and relying on your players to get you there? That's just, uh, my, my answer to that is, is kind of elaborate, because I, I tend to think that... I, I, I'd love to hear the argument, because I, I think re- up until recently, yes. I think the argument that coaching in the NBA is overrated is certainly an argument that I would have made and subscribed to, and I can we can get into detail more in that in a minute, but I, I think that with with the recent better understanding of the league through, you know, if you want to call it analytics through, uh, through that, just through uh, creativity and coaching in the NBA that I feel like I haven't really seen in years. I feel like up until recently, it seemed like every team was running similar sets. Uh, every team relied on their best player to, you know, do best player moves in isolation in you know handing uh I love Kobe handing Kobe the ball and, and you know having him do something spectacular it's not a feat of coaching whereas I feel like the NBA is moving in the direction where coaching has has a much greater impact than I I think that it did or it, in terms of X's and O's than it did another time I think coaching in the NBA used to be more about you know getting diverse personalities to play together uh getting guys to be unselfish mm-hmm. just you know, less strategic and more like, you know, substitutions, that kind of thing. But but I, I think right. it's, it's really right. jumped towards actual, you know, basketball strategy. Well, no, I would agree with you there. And as far as the actual basketball nature or, or and the, uh, the play calling and things like that and putting their guys, quote unquote, in the right place to make them succeed and all, all this stuff. But I think in the past, a lot of people have had that mindset that you mentioned that coaching is overrated. And I have always been of the mindset that coaching is underrated in the NBA. And while no, while you're not going to have excellent or great coaches uh, on teams that aren't doing well, most likely sometimes you'll have an excellent coach, take a mediocre team and make them better. I think that's what you're starting to see 
with the Boston Celtics. And I think Brad Stevens, while you can't call him an excellent NBA coach just yet, I think he will be that eventually, five, six years down the line. People are going to start to say, okay, this guy actually belongs here. But my point, my overall point here is that the argument I heard this afternoon that really got me fired up was LeBron won two championships with Eric Spolstra as his coach. And I would have to agree with that particular host that Spolstra is not a very good NBA coach. I think he's a mediocre coach, and I think that those two championships were won more because of the players on the team than the coaching staff. I'll give him those. But looking back, and I'm not trying to take anything away from the players here in any of these situations, but looking back at the last 20 years of NBA champions – There is only a few times where you can say the team that won the championship had the best player in the entire league. LeBron is one of them, one of the or two of those times. Michael Jordan, of course, the Bulls. We're going back that far. But my overall point is that I'm gonna I'm gonna name I'm gonna list some coaches for you right now, Calvin. Every single one of these men has coached their team to an NBA championship in the last 20 years. I already wanted to with you, but go on. Some of the, well, I'm going to list okay. these, these people, and just bear with me for one second. Because um, these guys, while you said earlier, they've you mentioned earlier that they, they sort of manage personalities, and I would agree with that. But all of these, co- not all of these coaches, most of these coaches are Hall of Fame coaches, and I, I'm pretty sure that there's no denying this. So here we go. In order of how many they've won in the last 20 years, Doc Rivers, Pat Riley, Rick Carlisle, Larry Brown, Rudy Tomjanovich, all have won one in the last 20 years. Tomjanovich won 21 years ago, the back-to-back, of course, with the Houston Rockets. Okay, Then you're talking Spolstra, two. Popovich, five. Phil Jackson, eight. Some of these guys are not like the others, but the ones that are winning the majority of these things, while, yes, they have excellent rosters as well, they are Hall of Fame coaches, and they've proven that. So the argument that coaching is overrated, I, I feel, is just it's it's way off base, and people don't realize what it takes, and they just assume that the best player – on the court for an NBA team is going to carry his team to victory because of what LeBron has done two out of the last three years. That's that's not the, really the way it works. Here's, in my opinion, the the primary flaw in your argument. It's the it's the fact that the you'd say that most of the coaches who have won you know have been Hall of Famers, but the, the problem is is in terms of coaching, traditionally winning has been defined. I mean, winning has been defined as the measure of greatness for a coach. So, like, it's you could argue that it's the winning that's made the coach quote great, and and not the other way around. In fact, I'd certainly, I'd, and, you know, this is not me uh, being being biased to this guy in a positive. If anything, it's biased to him in a negative. I I could argue that Phil Jackson is not a great strategic basketball coach. In fact, I will I will make that argument. And you you said. Please do. Well, first, you said earlier, you, you said that usually the team that wins the NBA title doesn't have the league's best player 
I would I would disagree with that. I mean, it, particularly like during the run of the two thousands, you can certainly make the argument that the, you know the Lakers had the best player in the league in Shaq during the repeat. Uh, you can make that argument with Kobe as well. You can make the argument that the Spurs, when you know when they won their titles, uh, up until two thousand seven, you you can argue that that year you know Tim Duncan was the best player, if not the best player, you know to Two or three in the league. Okay, you could you could argue that, but it's but this you can't clear cut say that though. The, the only time that you can clear cut say that is Jordan and LeBron. All the other ones you'd have to have an argument about. It. Yeah, but but, but the, the point is, in fact, you you could even make the argument that Dwayne Wade, the year that he won it, played the best basketball that year. I, I think that there's 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 strong arguments to be made for almost all of those guys. And okay, if you're saying he, that, that those guys aren't the best. If you want to argue, okay, Tim Duncan wasn't the best player in the NBA in 2005, maybe he wasn't, but you certainly couldn't say that he's worse than, than you know, third or fourth. At, at, there's, there's no argument. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away the fact that, that the, all of these teams have excellent rosters and the players are all also Hall of Fame caliber players. But to just dismiss coaching and say that, and say that it it doesn't mean anything at all, and it's a, a player's league, and the the players are the reasons that teams win games. I I think is a completely flawed uh, way to look at it, just because I mean, look at the teams that that have gotten there and sort of lost, and, and I mean, just uh, Oklahoma City, they lost to Miami. LeBron dominated them just two years ago, or three years ago, I should say. Uh, and that was that was more of a player's thing, I guess. But Scott Brooks, I, th- I think, made some mistakes in a couple of those games in the, in those uh, in in the finals there, and it could have it could have swayed or swayed things a little bit differently had they had better coaching. And I don't think that Scott Brooks is like a great coach in, in the NBA either. And I'm surprised that he's actually still in Oklahoma City. No, but, I, I think um, that's neither here. Yeah, nor I think there. there's Go a difference ahead. between saying that coaching has zero value or again you know i almost want to separate because i i think we're, we're moving into what we would call almost a, a coaching era where you know a guy like mike budenholzer can take a hawks team that's in one area and turn it into you know the eastern conference's best team i think that that would be a, a rarity historically through nba history um but I, I think the coaching has had its impact. That's Again, great. Again, you know, but uh, going back to my example of Phil Jackson, I, I never enjoyed the triangle offense. I always thought it was a bad fit, uh, particularly for the, the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe, who, you know, could have been potentially the, the, the league's most devastating pick-and-roll force in NBA history, except they never ran a pick-and-roll. So I, I, I didn't like that offense for them. I, I didn't think it made sense because uh, – they didn't have a lot of great ball handlers outside of Kobe, and a lot of that offense required them to move the ball into different guys' hands who weren't necessarily great passers. It made the big men passers, and it pulled Shaq away from the basket. That's why they didn't, they didn't end up running it that much. They kind of ran their own offenses. Now, in terms of psychologically, sure, you could argue he's a great coach, but strategically, I don't think Bill Jackson's ever been a great coach, and yet he has eight championships. So good for him in that regard, and again, I, I think this all depends on what your argument for a great coach is. Bill Jackson, Bill Jackson's well, great coach I, by I, definition I think, of the fact that he's won 
as much as he's won, you know, but. Right, but, I mean, you have to, there, there's got to be something. It's not just Jordan, is it? I mean, sure, the two years that Jordan was, was not in the league, they didn't, they didn't win. We, we all know that, but uh, I feel like the fact that he went from the Bulls and then to the Lakers and did it again with some excellent players, it just, it, that's the type of coach that got it done in the era. So another guy might go through, might have gone through and, and said, or and, and just done really poorly, you know? Uh, who was who, was Phil Jackson the coach of the Lakers in 1999? No, I mean, no, no. What was that team looking like? But that again, point? Phil Jackson, look, I'm not going to dispute Phil Jackson's historical value as a coach or even actual value as a coach because uh, Phil Jackson's value is in the fact that he's Phil Jackson. Like, in other words, Phil Jackson came to the Lakers in 2000. The Lakers weren't great in 1999, but that's because Shaq was out of shape, didn't care about basketball, when he had heard that Jerry Buss hired Phil Jackson, he went on a diet in that offseason, rededicated himself to the sport before Phil Jackson even showed up, showed up in training camp as a monster and dominated the league. Now, you can, you can say, oh, great coaching by Phil Jackson, but, but, yeah, yeah, but, in, but in reality, it's, it's the, the idea that Phil Jackson has the prestige because he, he had already won six titles with the Bulls to put himself in a situation where he could be that he could say things to guys like Shaq and Kobe that other that other players couldn't say. That's why I think that if you are a coach that wins a title, or if you are a coach that garners respect, there's inherent value in that just by being that guy. You know, the the Sacramento Kings hire George Call. There's a certain amount of value just in the fact that he's George Call. Not, you know what I mean? It doesn't even mean he's a good or a bad coach. It's just mean. It just means he's a guy who's had success in the NBA before, so it's going to be harder for DeMarcus Cousins to ignore him. But that doesn't mean you're a good coach. That just means your name has value. Those those are two different things we're talking about. Okay, well, I I just, I I, I feel like if you get to the point where you're you're winning championships and you also have that prestige and that people respect you as a coach, then you are actually a good coach because you're not going to just get to to the title and just let your players run wild. Uh, that's just not the way it goes. I mean, sure, these sometimes these guys t- can take over a game, and you have to run plays and, and call for it to 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 just be them. Hey, LeBron, take over. Just do your thing. But they're not going to do that every single time. You still need to manage the game correctly. You need to manage the series correctly. These guys are trying to do that. Uh, I think. So well, so now let's let's turn it to a regular season discussion. If uh, if we may, unless you have something I, I else. I do because I'm, I'm curious about your mentioning of Eric Spolster earlier as saying you don't think he's a good coach because let's let's just run it down. He he's won two titles, but he went made the finals four times in a row. He's seen um, amongst the league as an offensive innovator. Why again? If if you're arguing that winning is what you know part of what puts you there, why do you then make the argument that Spolster is not a good coach? Is it that you don't like him? Like what? What is it about him specifically, as opposed to a Phil Jackson, who again I can I can undermine well, this, X and O's wise, but that doesn't deter you from thinking he's a great coach. Well, the fact that he's tied to uh, the LeBron doesn't help him. I thought I think that that he did an excellent job of of coaching in the their their last championship, the one bef- two years ago, the, the second of the back to back. I thought that he did a, a great job in that series, and I have to actually commend him for that. Uh, but I think that a lot of that 
is tied to LeBron James. If he can do this again, if he can have the Heat go on a, a nice run here in the in the the playoffs here with it. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that because Bosch is out, and so uh, let's scratch this season off the list. But what I'm trying to say is that Spolstra still has to prove something to me. If, if I, I would like to see him do it again, not with LeBron James, not necessarily. I want to see him put a team out there that competes and is is doing well from night to night. So I just I feel like he was the better coach in 2012 because I just like I just said I. I uh, don't really think that Scott Brooks is that great either. But, I mean, who am I to, like, rip these guys apart, right? I, sh- I, I just, I'm just just a, uh, a lowly podcast dude, right, on CLNS Radio. Right, right. So. No, but the point is, the point is that I, I feel like coaching is actually underrated and that I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to rip apart coaches that I think are mediocre. I'm trying to say that I think – uh, there are guys out there that are making a, a serious difference on their uh, their team, and it, they're making their teams better because of it. And Greg Popovich is certainly one of those guys. That's why he is on that list of of winning uh, five championships in the last 20 years. Phil Jackson, I think, was one of those guys at, at the time. He, they were doing the things that were necessary for their teams to win. And while they have excellent players and they will probably give all the credit to the players for getting the job done, they still have to be the ones to set that game plan. Uh, and so the point of all this is to sort of, again, tie it into the Celtics as well. And, I mean, what kind of an impact is Brad Stevens having right now? I think that he, like I said earlier, in the next five or six years, I think he's going to show himself as – a, a great coach, not to say he's going to win a championship or two like Spolstra, but Spolstra to me is still in that, that sort of window where he, he's proving himself. So I want to see Miami do well for the next few years uh, under him, and, and then I'll start to, to give him more props. But I, I'm already impressed with what Brad Stevens has done with the Celtics because, frankly, Calvin, he doesn't have half the roster that, that Spol- Eric Spolstra has down in Miami. And they're, they're basically, I, I actually, I'm not sure if Miami played tonight or not, but going in, they were tied for the, the same record in the league. And they're tied, they're, it's a three-way tie for the uh, seventh and eighth playoff spot. So somebody's got somebody's to go, right? And we'll see what happens on the stretch here. Miami seems to be getting a little, uh, little injury bug down there. But I'm impressed with what Brad Stevens has done with this with this ragtag Celtics group and maybe they'll fall off a cliff soon but for now they they seem to have figured it out I guess this is that this is kind of my point is that I don't evaluate coaches by wins and losses like I don't I don't do it I know everybody else does but I I do it I evaluate coaches by by looking at the roster and, and trying to figure out how successful I think that team should be and then looking at how successful they actually are in you know, crediting the coach for the difference in that. Like I think that's really how you evaluate it. And in, in, in if you do that with the Celtics right now, there's no question that you have to give a lot of credit to Brad Stevens because this team, Murray, it shouldn't be any good. It doesn't make sense that they're playing well. Especially they, they lost Jared Sullinger for the year. They lost Isaiah Thomas who was their best player since that trade happened. I don't no, they're not doing it with smoke and mirrors. They're doing it with, I don't know, with, you know, that fingertip smoke that you get at magic shops that never works. You know what I'm talking about? Where you rub your fingers together and it's supposed to create smoke? 
that kind of just creates little white lines that come off his fingers. Mm. That, that's, yeah, yeah that's, so that's, sure. that's what they're doing that it with right now. That's fine. You were never into magic. I respect that. Like, I don't... It, it's not like anybody on this team is even really playing that well outside of, of uh, arguably Tyler Seller. Like, you look at their number, like, Avery Bradley's shooting, like, 37% in March. Uh, you know, Evan Turner's turning the ball over all the time. I mean, he's shooting 39%. Yeah, it's it's really funny. They're, they're getting it done as a team. It's like somebody new every night is scoring, and somebody new every night is making plays. I mean, there have even been games where Evan Turner has just looked incredible. You know, some nights he, he looks great. He slipped again. Oh, I ended, and I just finished what I had to oh, say. Oh, you said there there were even games when, and then you cut out. Oh, there were even games when Evan Turner just looked. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, the, yeah. That one game he had where he, he was hitting all kinds of shots. But I, I think he's had he's had two games in the last yeah. month or so where he's looked really excellent, and a lot of games where he's been mediocre, and then a handful of games. Yeah, where it's he's like been a, it's a different guy every night. Like Luigi Dottomi out of nowhere, a guy who. You know, couldn't crack Detroit's <laughs> roster. Has had a couple of moments. Uh, you know, Jay Crowder can't shoot to save his life. He's in a couple of games where he's randomly hitting threes. Uh, Marcus Smart hasn't exactly set the league on fire offensively, but he's had a couple of moments. You're right; it's like a different guy every night. But then, if you if, again, if you just look at their combined numbers, they should they should be playing terribly right now, and yet some somehow they're not. Somehow, what have what have they won five in a row now? That's right. Their longest win streak under Brad Stevens. Yeah, and in that sense, yeah, you, you you have to give Stevens credit because there's really no reason why they should be playing this well. Like I, I mean, like Tyler Zeller's playing really well. I think Bass is playing pretty well. But other than that, I'm I'm not even sure anybody is really even consistently playing well on this team. And yet, yeah, man, and I think it's just a matter of. A combi- it's a combination of having these uh, young guys look up to him as a as a coach that, even though he hasn't been in the NBA, has made an, uh, a, a nice reputation for himself in college at Butler, and these guys have uh, are close to the time where they were in college and he was coaching, and I, I just think that they have their, he has their respect. So part of it is that, but part of it is is that I think that he he really gets it. He I mean he understands the name the game of basketball. Of course, and he, I think, is has finally started to catch his stride as far as learning the rest of the league is concerned. He struggled quite a bit last year. I think the nuances of the game are coming to, to him a lot quicker now. And I, from what I've seen, I just I like what he's what he's done. He, he seems to be pulling the right strings. Now, is this a house of cards? Is it all going to fall apart? Who knows? But it's been fun to watch, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with him. He, he's even calling great plays out of timeouts now, and that was one of my major criticisms uh, criticisms of him last year and into the beginning of this year. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but he, he seems to be using the roster effectively. Every time uh, he makes another move now, it seems like the right move. You know, giving like playing to Tommy worked out well. Playing Phil Pressy seems to work out well. It's like... Yeah, everything's working out for this. Everything. Well, I yeah, I I have a feeling that Phil Pressy was kind of inspired by Isaiah Thomas's arrival and the fact that he wasn't going to get playing time anymore, and and he's just making the most of his time, knowing full well that it's it's very likely that he probably won't get playing time again, just like that when Thomas is healthy, you know. 
so I think the pressy is just making the most of his time, and it's a good thing. So, but maybe that's part of it too. Maybe Brad Stevens is is part of the fact that everybody's ready to go at any time. You know, they all know that they have a chance to play if their name gets called. Yeah, maybe, maybe that factors in. I don't know. I I don't know. This guy's a wizard right now. There, like there's, there's nothing he can't do. So. Well, you know, you know, he's not a wizard, not a good NBA coach. Doesn't have a job right now. Is Brian Shaw of the Denver, Shaw. formerly of the Denver Nuggets, Brian Shaw. Now, Denver, Denver fired Brian Shaw, thinking, "Oh, this is perfect. We we have a a terrible team. We'll fire our coach. We'll bring an interim coach in. They'll stink up the place, and we'll lose a lot of games. We'll get a great lottery pick, and we'll just add a nice young player to our already young core, and we'll find a coach that fits." Right? That sounds great, right? That sounds pretty good. Sounds really good. Well, I'm sorry, Denver. That's right. You are wrong because your team went 6-2 and two after you fired that coach uh, until last night. Do you know if they won that game last night? Um, I, I can know. find out pretty quickly. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll check really quick as well. But uh, the point is last night, not by the coach's decision, not because of injury, not even because they're older players and they needed rest and decided to bench Ty Lawson, Kenneth Fareed, Danilo Gallinari in their game. I don't even know if it was a back-to-back for them. I'm going to check right now. I have it. Um, But the point is, this hurts my fantasy teams. No, luckily Ty Lawson is on the team where I have to buy this week. Uh, but the point the point is, like, Denver's playing well. They're already out of the playoffs. This is what the NBA needs to look at as far as tanking is concerned because this is this is clear. They didn't want to win that game last night against Memphis, and they did lose that game 92-81, to knowing full well that they probably weren't going to beat the Grizzlies anyway. So they just sat all their players, and it was the second night of a back-to-back, fine. Ty Lawson played 48 minutes the night before, fine. You can manage your stuff better than that. There's no reason to re- to take these guys out of the game. They're young players. They were all healthy. They all wanted to play. The coach, the team was playing well. They'd won four in a row. I'm just, I, I, I just think it's it's ridiculous the way that that, that uh, Denver management handled this one. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting to look at you know some of the player and coaches coaching reaction. Uh, the coach Melvin Hunt, when asked about it, you know, made a reference about. You know how guys get ACLs, and he made a joke about how the owner's dog had an ACL surgery, and it's something to watch out for. Um, Kenneth Reed, when asked about it, you know, refused to comment. Uh, Wilson Chandler said, that, you know, he has no idea what the front office is going to do. He's not a GM, and he says it's frustrating when the team sets him up for failure. So it's interesting because. It doesn't seem like this is a coaching decision. It's not unlike all these other tanking situations or or resting situations, rather is what I meant to say. Where you know Popovich doesn't play the guys for a night, and I've heard a lot of talk lately here on local sport talk radio about how like uh, there's some sort of there's some sort of obligation to play guys because you know a kid might want to come see LeBron, and it's not fair if LeBron rests that night. I don't buy. I've never I've never bought the logic in that because. Did you did you see did you see that Steve Kerr reached out to some fans that emailed him because they were angry that Steph Curry and, and uh, 
other players, well, main, namely Steph Curry. Uh, he did rest other players, but they didn't care about guys like Bogut. They wanted to see Steph Curry, and they were upset about it because they drove a long way to, to see the game the other night Yeah, that's in what's been setting off the, the, the talk here. I didn't hear what he said back right. to them. But in, in my opinion... He, he basically he basically said that he can't blame any of them, and, and, and the, the beauty of it is that nobody's wrong here because he's doing what is in the best interest for the team, and he I mean there's nothing he can really do, but the fans have the right to be upset about it, and it was basically a very neutral comment from Steve Kerr, very political comment. He knows how to handle stuff like that, but the fact that he reportedly reached out to fans him, himself, I don't know whether he actually wrote the emails or not, but the idea is that he that he did. I think that's pretty cool, and I commend him for doing that. Yeah, and here's the thing. There's, when you buy a ticket to see the Warriors, the, the only obligation is to see the Warriors. Now, if, if the Warriors don't show up and a, and a D-League team shows up, then sure, you have the right to be mad. But if Steph Curry sits out a game, guess what? Like, if Steph Curry had gotten injured, it'd be the same situation. Baseball teams, less players all Right, the time. would they be upset then? Would they be mad then? No, it's, it's just because they've started doing this in recent years, and there's been less transparency. Like, before they used to do it, and then they would, you know, nurse injuries a little bit, or or whatever. It wouldn't be such such a big deal. But now it's right. because oh, you know, Steph Curry couldn't have played, but I mean, could have played, but he's not. So now I'm really angry about it. Well, you're still going to see a basketball and, game. Like that's still your team, right? You're fa- you're a fan of that team. That's why you showed up. I you did you go show up to see Steph Curry? Because if you did, you should probably just go to one of his appearances somewhere. If you can go watch a basketball yeah, game, then just enjoy the basketball game. But what the Nuggets are doing... I'm, I'm with yeah. you on that. But let me, let me tell you why Popovich doing it is different. First of all, those players are a lot older, so they do need more rest than these guys right now. Second of all, they are completely willing to rest in situations like that, and they understand what Popovich is trying to do. Third... Denver's players wanted to play. They want. They were on a roll. They want to keep things going. They wanted to try and go challenge Memphis. Uh, so, I just that's that's part of the reason that it, that it's different. Um, also, because he doesn't Popovich doesn't do it all the time. He he manages stuff like that. I think one a couple times he has done it to stick it to the league, but other times uh, he's done it only because it's in a long road trip or because it's the second back-to-back in five nights or, or something like that. And he manages it correctly, as far as I, I can tell. You can almost predict when he's going to do this stuff, you know? Right, and well, the, the biggest two differences to me are, one, uh, you know, when Popovich rests his players, it's with the idea that they'll be fresher for the playoff. It's, it's the, the, the ultimate goal in that situation. When, when Steph Curry rests, when Steve Curry rests Steph Curry, the ultimate goal is for the team to be better, for the team to win. And if you're a fan of that team, right. you ultimately want that to be the result. In this situation, the, the result, is, the, the point is for the team to be worse. So if you're if you're a fan of that team, you don't want them. You don't want them to be worse. I mean, maybe maybe you do potentially if you're a fan of tanking. But this new this tanking revolution, like with the Sixers fans all being happy uh, with you know the shenanigans that are going on in Philadelphia, uh, I don't. Like the the idea that like it's it's okay to not have your team win now and root against them winning it's you know it's against the the fundamental like nature of being a fan you you don't want to see or just rooting for a team you don't want to see your team lose you don't like to see them lose your team gets on a roll they win six of eight and the other thing is in this case it it 
they they took away the coach's fundamental decision with who sits and who plays, and the the front office came and, and they were the ones who decided who was sitting down, and the coach had to roll with it because it was the decision that the office made not to win. In every other situation, when the GM is trying not to win, he just trades away good players, but he still allows everyone else to do their job. Can you imagine if your boss, um, you know, in your in your accounting firm was actively like scribbling false numbers all all over your books. That's what's happening here with the Nuggets. Yeah, and they're just sort of saying, uh, eh, let's just uh move this around and move this around." Nah, he doesn't he, he doesn't need to play tonight. He's just going to sit. Uh, hey, you, ball boy over there. You want a 10-day contract? Come on in. I mean, they're not doing it to that extent obviously, but they let me pull up the lineup that they had last night. Um, against uh, Memphis, Kenneth Freed marked as injured last night, of course, in fantasy basketball. If anybody has Kenneth Freed or Ty Lawson, they are on Yahoo anyway. They are marked as uh, injured. Also, I have Wilson Chandler, Calvin, and he... um, Can you hear that? Nope. Sorry, that was in my ear. Um Wilson Chandler said that uh, he, they're being set up for failure, so maybe I should keep my eye on him. Maybe he's going to get benched the next, and he'll get punished for, for speaking up. Uh, but he did play last night. Their starting set, their starting uh, five was Wilson Chandler, Darrell Arthur, Yusef Nurkic, Jameer Nelson, and Randy Foy. Uh, they got all the way down to Eric Green played 10 minutes, and uh, Joffrey Laverne played f- almost six minutes in this game. So... I don't even know who those players are. And they were playing uh, instead of Kenneth Reed, Danilo, Danilo Gallinari, and Ty Lawson. It seems kind of ridiculous. If I was a Nuggets fan, I'd, I'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah, as, as would I. And I, I just don't like the way – like, it's just the whole adage of, like, it's bad to be in the middle. It seems like – I don't want to say it's ruining the NBA because I don't want to be the grumpy old man shaking his, his you know – uh, wild turkey and crusted cane at the NBA, but I, I think that we're in this place where, like, I, I would just like if people, and by people I mean fans slash like GM. I, I, I want it's gonna it's gonna take fans. I need a fan revolution against the idea that it's it's championship or bust. There has to the only way sports can can function the way that it's always functioned is if people recognize the value of wins. You know what I mean, like. Wins ha- wins have to mean something. If it's right. if if it's championship or nothing, if if you're really telling me that that the Miami Heat last year, you know they had the exact same result in value as the the Minnesota Timberwolves, then you, you might I don't know you might as well just just fold the league. So that you know what that's kind of why I almost like the Eastern Conference race a little bit more than the Western Conference race. Obviously, the Western Conference basketball is better. It's more exciting to watch, but the fact that there are I mean, let's even extend to Brooklyn. The fact that there are 11 teams in the race for the Eastern Conference playoffs to me is is more exciting than the the nine team race that we're looking at uh in the Western Conference because even though Phoenix is two games over 500, by all accounts, they're they're kind of being written off here, unless they go on a, a nice run, uh, and Oklahoma City falls off, which we can discuss as well. You're you're looking at a, a nine-team race here in the Western Conference. Either either way, actually, whether it's Oklahoma City staying where they are or uh, 
them falling off. I just feel like it's a little more exciting in the Eastern Conference. It's it's at the end of the the playoff thing. So I'm hoping that even though these teams are under 500, they're looking at it as, oh wow, we have 30 wins. This is great. We want to win more. We want to, we would rather be 500. We'd rather have that 40 wins because I think parity is a good thing in the NBA, uh, and it would be it would make it easier for the best player, LeBron James, to get knocked out of a playoff situation if he didn't have a good enough supporting cast, and it's going to encourage team basketball and yada, 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 all this yeah. stuff. So I'd rather see uh, 10, 12, or 12 teams that are 500 than one team that wins 60 games or or 65 games and a, a handful of teams that, that win 15. I think that's, you know? that's great for now, but once the playoffs start and you know only two, there's only two teams who could possibly come out of the East, the Western Conference playoffs will be much more interesting. Oh, of course, of course. But I'm just saying that I hope that, the, that this Eastern Conference race and the fact that they're trying to win games even though they're not really set up to, to do anything as far as a championship is concerned will encourage teams around the league to try and win instead of tank next year and the year after Philadelphia. They're tanking for the next five years. I'm, I don't even know what they're doing. Terrible. All right. All right. Would you would you say that that Sacramento is trying to win games right now? Let me ask you that. I question. do think Sacramento is trying to win games. One because I think Vanadive uh, wants to win. Two, they have they have a looming issue with Demarcus Cousins. I don't know how long that that, that team can continue to lose with Cousins there before he becomes disenchanted and wants out. So I, I do think that's a team that needs to start, you know, making progress in that department. You know, we should have done it. Maybe we'll do this next week. We should do a trying to win or trying to lose game. And by next week, it might be too obvious. But uh, right now, I mean, we're looking at the Lakers, Minnesota, Philadelphia, and New York as definitely trying to lose. And apparently Denver as well. I'm not um, sure. So now that you... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not sure I put Minnesota what? in that category. Really? Oh, really? You think that they're really trying to win right now? Yeah. I mean, wait, it, it depends on how you define trying to win, trying to lose. Are you right? Exactly. Or they're just too like young. Like trying to be but in the lottery. I, I think trying trying to be in the lottery this season. Well, it it see again that it depends on definition because some of those teams. Do I think that the Lakers and Knicks? Perfect example. Do I think that the Lakers and Knicks wanted to be in the lottery this season? Um, I, I find it hard to believe on both fronts, particularly the Knicks who, uh, you know, signed Carmelo Anthony to that deal with the idea of, like, yeah, you know, and signed Phil Jackson with the idea that, like, we're going to turn the corner. I'm going to bring in Derek Fisher, teach these guys the triangle. It just hasn't worked out. Those are two different things to me. Like, making bad plans that haven't worked out and your team is just bad, I can, I can respect that because at least you're trying to win. But... You know, a Sam Hinkie situation is that's a different thing. That team is not trying to win. Danny Ainge, I think, at, at one no, certainly not. Danny Ainge, I think, is not trying to win, but it's you know gone well, or you know gone poorly for him, I guess. Interesting. Interesting that you think he's not trying to win. I I think that Danny Ainge is always trying to win, and he doesn't care how it happens, and that uh, he trusts his coach. That's what I think about Danny Ainge. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's move it along here. How long have we been going here? I've got my other counter up. 
Oh wow! We did. Yeah, let's let's move it along. We've been uh, we've been rolling right along. Um, so up next is uh, where are we? Oh yeah, you know what we're gonna do now, uh, Calvin? We are going to combine the next two segments, and by doing that, I will also tell you that uh, we should combine Linda and Peak. We should tell them to to meet up over a Peak Brew, and Linda can can tell the people from Peak Brewing all about uh, anything that they want, literally anything. Head on over to lynda.com slash clns. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash clns. You get your free 10-day trial. Millions of people use this website. Millions and millions. Uh, there's like... 4,500 courses on web development, photography, anything you can think of, whether you're trying to set financial goals or just be a better person. Linda can tell you how. Maybe you want to Maybe you want to start your own business. Excuse me? What was that? You dropped that again, at least on, on my end. Oh, well, I'm just going to count on the recording to work work itself out. I'm just okay. going to keep going. Uh, maybe you want to start your own business. So go to lynda.com. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash C-L-N-S. Free 10-day trial. That's from the time you sign up for 10 days. That's what it means. Free 10 days. And to combine that with Peak Organic, get a beer too because those beers are sweet. Not like candy. But as far as beers are concerned, yes, they're delicious. Peak works with local farms. They have pure ingredients. It's organic, like I said before. Go to facebook.com slash peakbrewing. They're on Twitter and Instagram at peakbrewing.com. That's P-E-A. Twitter and Instagram at peakbrewing. P-E-A-K-B-R-E-W-I-N-G. Brewing. Boom. There it is. Peak Brewing. Hit it up. <clears throat> That's it. That's all I have to say as far as the live reads are concerned. They're done. Done for this episode. Because I'm pissed off for greatness. What else am I looking for? Oh, yeah. You know what that means? It's that time again, Calvin. We should get a better clip of this song. More in the middle. Get some. Uh, we should get uh, like a different verse or something. Hello, hey. Liz. Liz Verola, everybody. I have an idea about the clip. Maybe we just don't need it at all. Or maybe we could play it like behind you the entire time. We're no, talking. no, nope, nope. Do not do that. It's going to distract me the entire time. Alright, what do you got for us? Well, I was complaining because my first topic was something that you guys were going to talk about anyways. But I don't have much to say on it. I wanted to hear what your debate was. <laughs> There's literary turn off. It was awful. Three. We'll bring it up. <clears throat> it's uh, that Ricky 
that rookie for <laughs> for the NFL. All right, Calvin. Yeah, yeah her, her first her you first topic is Mr. Borland. I love it. <laughs> I was muted that whole time too. I was trying to say things, but there was <clears throat> I, you couldn't hear me. Um, it's my fault. But yeah, I thought I thought this headline was really interesting. This kid who was is a promising NFL rookie. I'm gonna kill you, like legit. <laughs> it's Borland, Calvin. It's, it's He's Borland. retiring because of concerns over head trauma. So, yeah, so what do you? Special Liz. What? Oh well. Um, I, I think he's a bright young man and I think that he's made his money and he's probably done some, uh, smart things with it and he's probably going to be set for life and, uh, he doesn't ne- necessarily need to, uh, put himself in harm's way if he thinks that that's a possibility. Uh, I think a lot of people would probably look at him and say, oh, you haven't gotten hurt yet. Why don't you try and keep going? But if he feels comfortable leaving, then more power to him. I, I wish, uh, I wish I could do that in, in my uh, position right now and just just walk away and, and be okay with it but um i mean that's i think we all wish that you know just to to be able to walk away and just do do something that uh, they we really enjoy i don't know what he's going to do but uh if he doesn't want to be in the nfl and for what for any reason regardless of whether it's health reasons or or anything at age 24 i don't blame him for for walking away i think he's a, he's a smart man to do it actually yeah i want to preference preface rather my comments by saying that like I've I've always been this guy if you listen to the show before like I always support the idea that like if you have a job and you you don't like your job and you want to quit you want to work somewhere else like not only is that your prerogative but you shouldn't be held to any like weird sports obligation that you hear like especially from a lot of fans like if you if LeBron wants to leave Cleveland and go to Miami just leave leave Cleveland and go to Miami like well I, you know, I might rather work in Miami than Cleveland. I can't blame LeBron for that. Same situation here with Chris Boylan. Like, he doesn't want to play uh, NFL football anymore. He wants to retire. I don't really have a problem with that, per se. But what uh, what I do not, not necessarily have a problem with, but I do question his decision to retire from the NFL after one season, a season in which he didn't get a concussion, He's not set for life. He, he got he his uh, rookie deal paid him six hundred grand, half of which goes to taxes, and he you know another ten percent from to his agent. We're talking about you know not not life supporting money. I'm sure he spent a, a, a fair amount of that with the idea that he was going to play again next year. He wants to quit. That that's fine, but I I I think it's weird that he didn't think about you know the consequences of CTI issues until the season. If he had gotten a concussion or two during the season and, you know, had to retire from football. Well, I don't know about that. I, I, don't, I don't... Hold on. I don't think you can you can really definitively say that he didn't think about it up until now. That's probably a decision that's been that's been in the back of his mind for a long time. I don't think that's something you just wake up and say, all right, this is it. I'm done. Goodbye. Well, that's, like, that's, that's my point. That's what he... I'm sorry, Liz. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that, like, research is coming out more and more recently. So it might just be like, you know, there's more and more evidence showing that all this is going to happen more definitively. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like there's just more support 
behind it. You f- you hear more about it. I think it's like there's more of a big fuss about it. So maybe that's why you just decided, you know? <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, Calvin. I think the, the one-year difference between now and, like, concussions in, in you know, CTE and all that stuff, people were talking about it before he was drafted. He hadn't got a concussion since high school, his sophomore year of high school. He continued to play football. He was a star at Wisconsin. He decided to go into the NFL draft. I guess I would be angry if I was a 49ers fan because they wasted a draft pick on a guy who was going to, who retired one year into his career after he had a very successful year. And it's like, okay, now we're giving up this draft pick for this guy who, if he, if in his opinion, you know, the, the dangers of CTE and, and brain injuries were too great for him to, to continue playing football, I feel like that's something he should have considered before going to the NFL. Because really the, the advancements in, in knowledge when it comes oh. to that are, are really not, they're not that much different than they were a year ago. Maybe he didn't realize the extent of the, um, I don't know, the speed and power of NFL players. I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe he, he thought it was, it, he just would see what it was like or something, and he thought about it previously. I, I can't imagine that this is, one, is something that just popped into his head this I, year. I also, think, I also think you can't fault someone for, like, thinking about their own health in front of their fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I... I'm just saying. I, I I think that if you're going if you're going to go down that path, I don't. I'm just, the, the, it's the timing of it that I have an issue with. I don't understand why he didn't do it previously, or if not previously, then why not later? You know what I mean? As to as his body breaks down later on, if, if you you know told me that he that he suffered some sort of significant injury uh, during the season and he was concerned about his well being going forward, then I, it would make sense to me. But it seems like his his statements, for the most part, have just been in general about guys, other guys who have played longer NFL careers and have suffered the consequences. Something I, I I think that if you're going to get into football, or particularly the NFL, you should think about before you're drafted, or before you make the decision to declare for the draft, rather than one year into your career. That's what I find weird. I feel like this whole debate ties into like the whole Steve Nash thing. Wasn't that all about timing, too, his whole situation? Weren't you ripping mad about that, too? Yeah, but that was, like, late in his career, and he was getting old, and he was milking right. money, and he probably should have yeah, walked away. Yeah, the Steve Nash more about money. It, 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 was, it was not, yeah. It's, it, and it's kind of the reverse of the situation. Because, yeah, he, he basically didn't retire and kept playing, even though he clearly physically didn't have it anymore. So mm. it really doesn't apply to the situation. Okay, thanks for shooting me down, Calvin. <laughs> no, that's not. No, no, no. <laughs> so, are we moving on, or were you guys still talking? <laughs> I get it's just silence, so I'm just gonna go. It's great. What's next, Liz? Um, I don't know. I just saw I saw this. I meant this uh, headline about an 11 year old in Virginia who was suspended for an entire year because he was found to have a leaf that resembled a marijuana leaf in his backpack, just a leaf, like a fresh leaf, and it actually wasn't marijuana. It just looked like one. 
But they. So why but they is he still him for suspended? A whole year. Why is he still suspended if they prove? I think that it he's was finally not... back in school, but he was suspended for an entire year. So the. Wait. So he he served the suspension. Yeah, even though they, there was he proof? served the suspension because they wouldn't let him back in school, and now I think the parents are taking the school district to court over the whole situation. I don't know what they think they're going to get from it, but I just if thought it was, it was huh? I'm sorry. If it wasn't marijuana, what do we have confirmation on the type of leaf that it was? <laughs> no, why why are we so. carrying a random leaf? Poison ivy well, leaf. I don't why know. Why do you have a leaf? Why? I mean, do these it people looked, know it what it is? It looked like it looked like a marijuana leaf. Do you want me to send you the link? Where is there? I'm looking. What is it? I it tested. Like it tested negative for marijuana three separate times. So, like, they... It's just leafy, like, picked a leaf in the, it said, in the woods or something? It said it could look like a pot leaf, like an okra leaf, a tomato leaf, a maple leaf, or a buckeye leaf. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Buckeye leaf. But... Do people typically have marijuana in leaf form? No, I mean, you don't have it. I mean, I guess if his parents were growing it, then he could have picked it off the plant. Does a marijuana leaf do anything for you? No, that's what... No, it's just part of the plant. It's, it's just, they, they use it for, they, I think they, that's part of the, the stuff that they use to right, make so hemp it's like and, any and other that. leaf, right? Like the leaf. So even if, even if it was marijuana, what's the problem? Right, and he's like, and he's like 11 years old. Well, if it was, if it was... If it was marijuana, he's not supposed to have it in school, so but he no, should get it's suspended. No, it's a leaf, but not for a year. But if it's just a leaf, no, yeah, not for a year, I guess. If if it's just a leaf, I suppose not. Then maybe this reminds me. Are leaves banned at that school? Yes, leaves are banned. <laughs> That's a really good question, Galvin. That's a hard-hitting question. <laughs> uh, what school is that? Uh, it's in Bedford, Virginia. Did that kid intentionally shave his eyebrows? Like, okay, I'm not getting into that. It reminds me. <laughs> it reminds me of my my little brother was um, suspended uh, when he was in eighth grade for bringing a can of beer to school. He wasn't going to drink it; he just brought oh, no. it in to like look cool. <laughs> no, he just had he it in his pocket. He was like, check out this beer I got, and then like. Nine kids told the principal, and then he got suspended for a week. In the, in the eighth grade, I got suspended for bringing a bunch of Mexican fireworks to school. What? And yeah, somebody stole them out of my backpack and lit them off. And then after they, after they lit them off, then they passed me out. Do you believe that? I got in trouble because somebody got caught with fireworks and dropped a dime on me. And then I. Yeah, because. They were your fireworks, and they yeah. And then I had to do, cool. I had to do like, yeah. They stole your fireworks and then ratted you out. I had to do like six hours oh, of community man. service with the fire department. Yeah. Can I wow, can I ask a question bad. that I I mean, what are Mexican fireworks? Are they different than regular fireworks? Do they is it da 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 da? Are they just from? Nope, they're just from yeah, Mexico. They're more, That's all. They're more powerful than is legal in the United States. <laughs> oh my God! So. And you brought those to school? Of course. <laughs> You're crazy. I, I bring Mexican fireworks to school now. 
if we had a studio, they'd, I'd light off a Mexican fireworks in that studio. You know, you know why? Because you are just a you're just a lone wolf. I had to click it. I love it. Funny, Wait, someone uh, asked me yesterday right, what my fine. spirit animal was, and I said, "You know what? Probably lone wolf." <laughs> yeah. Oh well, maybe 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 I need to press this again. Who asked you what? What? Somebody asked you what your spirit animal was? <laughs> my niece did. <laughs> Dear Lord. Anyway, um, this is great. Yes, I should. You got anything else for us, Baroa? This is just like a little Wonderful. tidbit that I just read, but 110 years ago on St. Patrick's Day, which is one of my favorite days of the year. Um, did you know that Eleanor Roosevelt married her fifth cousin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Did you know that, that they were fifth cousins? No, but I think if you're fifth cousin, no. then you're good. You're good at that point. See, I was wondering what you, thought, what you guys thought about that. It still kind of weirds me out. I don't know. I was trying to wonder, like, right. when when is it Okay. When when does the when does it break? It's like, hey, we're second cousins. Hey, we're third cousins. Hey, we're fourth cousins. All right, there it goes. Is that is it, that it or like what? Is you it know, here's, here's something to me too, because I I feel like, for example, like your cousin's cousin is your second cousin, but also your cousin your your first cousin's kids are your second cousins, and that's when it gets so like that second cousin is closer to me than the cousin cousin scenario. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, I, this is confusing to me, but Liz, I think you yeah. and I both know somebody that uh, who, ha, that knows somebody who met somebody's at a family reunion yes. and then yes, now our they're married. Friend, is that correct? Our friend's mom, her first husband, they met at a family reunion. They are second cousins. <laughs> I know somebody who dated his first so, cousin. Yeah. First cousin? Yeah. Dated his first cousin. Okay, you win. Mexican fireworks and first cousin stories. You win. You win for the night. Winner, winner. All right. Why can't this be my song this time? I think this too, by the way. You want this one instead? By the way, if you, if you, if you spent any time with them growing up as a member of your family, then that's too close. Right. You know what I mean? If, if you meet, like, if you, yeah, if you so. meet your third cousin for the first time when you're an adult, third or fourth cousin, and, and you, like, hit it off, then, then maybe you can make that argument. But if you met said third or fourth cousin as, like, a, a 12-year-old, then no, that could never happen. Well, I think, I also think a big part <laughs> of it is, point. like, you know, like, the whole bloodline DNA mutation thing. Right? Like, not just, like, you're close with someone. What are you, like, what are you trying to say? If you have offspring, they're going to be messed yeah, up. Yeah, mutations. Right, but I, I think that um, that fades out past like third cousin level. You think so? Are you, you, I remember I, reading that. I wouldn't bang not on for that. everyone. I'm sure. <laughs> Just saying. Well, no. All right, that's I, it for you guys. Thanks. I remember reading. Calvin, should we let Liz have last Christmas as her away song? Away song? Um, for tonight. Calvin never say no to last Christmas. Christmas. For tonight. All right, Liz. Well, we thank you very much. We appreciate it as always. You're welcome. There she goes. There she goes. All right. 
Yeah, there she goes. Liz Farola, everybody. Thank you very much, Liz. As usual, brought to you by Linda.com and by Jared Weiss on The Garden Report. Go to CLNSRadio.com. Nope. Go to YouTube.com slash CLNSRadio and check out The Garden Report with Jared Weiss. He's not going to do it for the rest of the week, so check out the one that he did after the Philadelphia game last night. That's Monday for anyone that's not listening to us right now, which is everyone. Um, all right, Calvin. We are going to wrap this thing up with a, uh, a quick little... Uh... Wait, where'd it go? Where's my list? Quick little, uh, quick little couple of quick hitters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch this up, and I'm going to go with Jameis Winston first. Okay, I think that's what I had for it. Jim. Oh, well, uh-huh. I, I thought it was going to go the other way, but <clears throat> Jameis Winston first. Jameis Winston has declared that he, I don't actually, I don't know if he said he definitely will not or probably will not, but doesn't look like he's going to be at the NFL draft itself. He's done all the combine stuff, and he's showing up there. Um, I don't believe he threw at the combine, actually. But either way, he says he's not going to show up. Do you have a problem with that? Because I don't think it does. Um, here's the thing. If it wasn't if it wasn't Jameis Winston, I would care less. And not even that I have a huge problem with the stuff that Jameis Winston did in college. But he is projected to be the number one pick. I think that like the NFL wants him to be there. And by him not going, he's really like trying to show his his obstinance with the NFL and I don't understand I don't understand what he's getting out of that in terms of PR. This guy, he's, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to have to try to sell his image. He's going to have to try to be a, a corporate spokesman, you know, try to show that he's been reformed and that he's not, you know, the, the dick that, that people make him out to be in college. And he's not going to be at the draft. For what reason? Because he'd rather hang out with his family? I mean, that doesn't really make sense. Like, he could hang out with... Maybe that's maybe that's part of the PR. Maybe there he's gonna do something uh, related to the draft, and he's gonna have this big charity thing, or who knows? I have no idea what what he's got in the works, but maybe that's part of it. Maybe he's finally got a PR team that's gonna set him straight because we we all know that he needs it. Uh, my first reaction is that maybe he'd rather be introduced to the NFL kind of on his own terms, and he doesn't want to risk the fact that uh, maybe he won't be the number one pick. I don't know. Usually the NFL team that has the number one pick will tell the player days in advance, sometimes weeks in advance, that they're going to pick them so they know. Uh, But maybe he doesn't have that assurance from Tampa Bay right now, and he doesn't necessarily want to go and not be the number one pick. Or, more likely, maybe he wants to be introduced to the NFL, like I was going to say, on his own terms and just have a press conference when he goes to the, his team for the first time as opposed to standing up in front of a, an NFL podium and being asked questions by a reporter uh, for ESPN that he doesn't really know what is coming. I don't know. I mean, I knew he's your boy. And you got it. It's an interesting approach. It's an interesting approach. And, and I don't think I would necessarily take that approach myself. Actually, I would probably go to the draft and want to experience it, but uh, I don't. I don't blame him for for not wanting to go because he hasn't really given a good reason. In the reason, end, I guess. he could do whatever he wants. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. I'm right. not going to hit him too hard for it. I just don't think it makes strategic sense. I don't think it makes PR sense. And 
I think like if that's if that's the decision he's going to make right off the bat, like I'd already I, as somebody who you know either is reps or you know somebody with the Bucks, I would be like, well, what are you what are you doing here? You know, and that's really the only reason why I wanted to bring it up. All right. Well, are you ready, Calvin? I'm ready. It's that time. It's that time of year again. We here on Careless Whispers are going to give the NCAA the amount of time and respect it deserves. About 30 seconds each. Calvin, who is in your final four? Mine is definitely more surprising than yours, I guess. Okay, yeah, well, well, I don't even know because this was going to be a treat to you on how I don't, I've watched like, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. I'll preface I've watched like two college basketball games ahead. this year. So, <laughs> take, take me on my word when it comes to this. Like, I have no idea. I have no idea who's going to win. I probably, we probably could have dragged Liz out here and had her pick, you know, four names out of a hat. But uh, Wisconsin and Kentucky, for, you know, from what I can see in my limited time, those are the two best teams in the country. Then I have Iowa State and Louisville. Wow, we uh, we've matched on uh, one, one of the four, and and it's not Kentucky. But let me preface this with the fact that uh, supposedly the work that the deadline the deadline for this bracket at my office was this morning, which I think is ridiculous. So I think that the HR lady is just being dumb and doesn't realize that the brackets can be changed. But I'm hoping that she doesn't have the ability to like lock it or something, so I can go back and actually look at it again without being rushed and go through it without just looking at RPI and strength of schedule and the little blurb that it has on CBS Sportsline and actually think about some of these things after the playing games have happened and all of that shakes out. I'd like to actually do that because, you know what, last year I, I ended up coming in first or second place in this office pool, and the year before that they gave away a prize for last place, and I smartly came in that as well. So I've been winning stuff in this pool for a couple of years in a row now, and I don't want to stop. Um, but the point is, this Final Four is probably bogus, and it might change officially. Uh, I just had to get all this, this bracket in this morning, so here it is. Iowa State is the one that we match on here, Calvin. Oklahoma, North Carolina, and Kansas. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, I have them winning the national title. Uh, I think Kentucky gets knocked off by Kansas, actually. And I think I might stick to that. Um, but either way, that's it. That's it for the NCAA because I haven't really watched a whole lot this year. I've watched more than two games. I've watched a, a handful, I would say. Um, but I'm no mad dog. So we don't really know much. And that's that's why we right, do it that Right, we saw on the record right? for when I nailed that Final Four. Right, when I'm on the record. So there's my – maybe I'll nail that Final Four. Perhaps Anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. That's it. We don't have any more topics. We did some some great stuff with uh, Liz there, and I don't think there are any other clips that I want to play. So I'll just say goodnight to everybody. Thank you to Lynda.com and Peak Brewing, Peak Organic. Pick up a six-pack at Whole Foods in California, because I know there's a lot of people in California that listen to this podcast. Check us out on iTunes and on Stitcher, of course. Give us a rating. Download our CLNS Radio mobile app. It's free. And if you're listening to us now, you probably have it. If you don't, you should just download it because you can listen to all 
120 oh. episodes or whatever the hell we're getting up to. Uh, it's going to be uh, very interesting as we go along to see what's happening in the NBA. Had a good discussion about that tonight, Calvin. Thank you, sir. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody.